Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from Aora, Sydney. I'm Mari Forth. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this fine program, along with all the fantastic reality TV content, by subscribing to robhazawebsite.com slash feed. That's R-H-A-P-U-P-S feed. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our feed as well. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. If you've already subscribed, thank you very much. We have a true crime update today. Sarah? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. The family of Gabby Petito has reluctantly agreed on a settlement in the emotional distress lawsuit against Brian Laundrie's parents. This means the case will not go to trial. The resolution is confidential. And all parties agreed in order to avoid further legal expense and prolonged personal conflict. Uh, yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Um, a good decision. I mean, they, they did want their day in court, but in the end, yes, yeah. I support them. It's still just an unfortunate situation all around. Sarah, what did we watch this week? We watched Mr. Organ on Netflix. It was produced and directed by David Farrier, who made Tickled with past and future guest of this show, Dylan Reeve. And we are tickled pink to welcome our guest today. He first joined us to chew over Jared from Subway, then uncovered the secrets of Hillsong and pursued the jewel thief with us. We're hoping it's fourth time lucky with Mark Blankenship. Hey, Mark. Hello, I am delighted to be back. And I actually still think sometimes about moments from The Jewel Thief. They're just randomly, that show has really stuck with me. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. No, I, I, I just remember thinking about how it, what it would be like to climb behind an ATM or whatever that guy did that whole time. <laughs> I think, Mark, we keep giving you the duds because you make it fun to talk about them. <laughs> We never, we don't, we don't, we don't know they're going to be duds. I mean, Mark, <laughs> you, you proposed Jared from Subway and Hillsong, and then we all thought the jewel thief was going to be a hilarious yeah. romp. I think the podcast yes. was a hilarious romp, but the show was a piece of not very good <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> oh well, you know the 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 true romp is the fun we have along the way. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get to this film and see what we all thought of it. I have an inkling that I know what Mari might have thought of it, but I'm interested to see what Mark thinks. So it's set in New Zealand. It's the result of a three-year investigation by documentary filmmaker David Farrier. He first wrote an article about Michael Organ when Organ was legally clamping cars in the car spaces in front of Bashford's Antiques at the direction of the owner, Gillian Bashford. 
organics stored up to 760 New Zealand dollars, that's about 470 American, to unclamp the cars, allegedly. Farrier continued to investigate Organ, who claimed royal lineage, a claim which has been disproven. He stole a yacht and was imprisoned for it. He continues to claim innocence of that crime and allegedly harassed a gay bookshop owner until he completed suicide, as well as allegedly conducting psychological warfare against various people who appear in the film, some anonymously, all claiming to be very frightened of Michael Organ. As the documentary unfolds, Organ at times cooperates and at times blocks Farrier's investigations. After the film was completed, Organ applied for a restraining order against Farrier, allegedly to impede the release of the documentary. The application was not granted. Farrier is quoted as saying about the documentary and his relationship with Organ, it sucked, it fucked me. If I had my time again with this, I guarantee you I would not do it. Farrier now lives in LA, partly to avoid bumping into Michael Organ in the street. Mark, get us started. Mr. Organ, what were your high-level ideas about it before we dive more deeply? My primary response was that this movie made me feel sad Mm. (laughs) because I felt like I was watching someone, meaning David Ferrier, who lost perspective on what he was doing and therefore lost the ability to provide any kind of clarity about the film and the story. Instead, I watched someone seem to choose to put himself in harm's way over and over and over again, and it really did leave me thinking a lot about the very thin line between ourselves and the things that repulse us the most and what it is like when you meet someone who seems like the dark mirror version of yourself and that's a heavy interesting topic but man i would love to have been able to think about that in the context of a film that perhaps had more to say that would those are my big thoughts and mari what about you your overall thoughts um maybe i'm gonna use less words than mark to say like it just wasn't interesting like i don't know i i agreed with mark in the sense of like i at times did not know what i was watching i just know i felt uncomfortable watching it i was i was never taken in by the story and even what i felt like was supposed to kind of be the big revelation at the end, I was like, this is not a revelation. I, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I I just, I don't, I don't know what the aim was. Just like Mark said, I don't know what the aim was. I I get that we are putting a camera to this man to kind of, I guess, expose him and to like expose his dealings and his doings. But to be quite honest, I hate, and Sarah knows I hate this, I don't like when the perpetrators are given a, a platform. Men like this specifically, this is what they they want. They want mm-hmm. that platform. They want that spotlight to make it about themselves. So why are we giving it to them? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's the George Santos of it all. Like The way that they go away is if we ignore them, not give them more and more spotlight. 
and more platforms and more opportunities to spin their their bullcrap. And David Ferrier gave this man three years of that while also, like Mark said, really doing damage to himself. So, like, what was the payout for this? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I suspected I would like this more than you, Mari. I wasn't sure about <laughs> you, Mark. I don't mind things being unresolved. I don't mind them being messy. I don't mind them being bleak. And the documentaries that we've varied the most on in terms of our ratings, Murray, have been, I think, around those areas. I hadn't thought about giving the perpetrator space because I think the film's actually about David Farrier and not Michael Organ. Mm -hmm. And at one point he's driving and he says, I wish I'd never pitched this documentary. And one question that I have is why did you why did you keep going with it? And I've read interviews with him since. I don't know if he knows. So to backtrack, Tickled is one of my favorite true crime documentaries, or is it a crime? So I quite like the ones that are uh, are on that gray area of is something a crime, is something not a crime. And David sort of it's not quite all shucks, but it's the uh, apparently diffident, slightly bumbling journalist, but with the sharp mind behind it, worked really well. And so I felt watching this that he kept thinking that he was going to win whatever whatever win means. Mm-hmm. So was it his competitive side that came out after uh, Michael shows him the key, gives him the key, and it is indeed a key to his house, don't you stop filming immediately there and then? Was it his pride? Mark, I'm with you about he is the architect of his own, it's not a demise because, you know, he lives through it, mm-hmm. but his own quite genuine psychological and emotional pain that he goes through. And he chooses to finish the film and show it to us. So mm-hmm. I was very intrigued, very intrigued by that. So I think that's what drove me or hooked me through the documentary. He refers to Michael Organ as boring constantly, pretty constantly. And sort of evil is a bit boring. And also clearly Michael with his three-hour phone calls that you have to mute so you can, you know, roll your eyes at the camera crew, is boring. But David Farrier himself isn't because the question to me is why did you keep going? Why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do have some thoughts about why I think he kept going, but uh, perhaps they're controversial or wrong. I don't know. I'm only basing this over on the impression of one watch of one film. But I really believe that one of the reasons he kept going is that he sees himself in Michael Organ. Because, Mm. you know, he's constantly on about how Michael Organ breaks into his house and does all these inappropriate things and is relentless and refuses to let things drop. But then you see David Ferrier doing the exact same things. At one point, he goes up to the home of the woman uh, who runs the antique store, who has become Michael Organ's friend, dark muse, whatever. (laughs) Lover. He he goes up to this woman's house, knocks on her window, peeks into the curtains to see if she's home. Later, he goes up to the home of Michael Organ's brother, unannounced, and is kind of um, pissy with the brother when he says, well, I sent you an email and asked you to respond to me, and it would have been nice if you'd helped me out, but you didn't, so here I am. And the brother is saying, 
I don't like talking to people who show up unannounced with cameras. And I just think that is the Michael Organ playbook, but it is cloaked in David Ferrier's mind in the robe of goodness because he perceives himself as someone who is going after the truth and he perceives Michael Organ as someone who is only after lies. And hmm. I think that the psychological pain of seeing his own methods used in a way that he feels is negative is almost too much for him to look away from because there might be some element of him that believes or perceives the things he does as being not that great. And this is just my theory, but I just, that's what I kept thinking as I was watching this. Like you are behaving exactly like the thing that you say that you hate. So I wish I wanted him to acknowledge that, but you can't write, you can't make a film, you know, you can't review the film you wish you'd seen. But that was mm -hmm. the thing that I kept coming away with. And um, it made me very frustrated because it made me start to mistrust David Ferrier as the uh, narrator, narrator of the story, because I felt like he seemed to me to lack the insight necessary to talk to me at all about why these things happen. And I didn't trust him by the end. Yeah, when you put it like that, that's very and a very interesting thought. Let me just say, like, I thought the property itself was was like really well produced. I thought David Ferrier was a good narrator, um, you know, at least in the beginning of the story, because the story was technically happening to him. Um, so I I have no qualms about the production of of the piece. But I, I will say that it I had to rewind several times because I was just kind of like I would zone out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unfortunately. Was it the accents? It was well, I loved I actually loved the accents. So I like <laughs> I actually I honestly loved the accents. So it wasn't that it was just like trying to keep up and then like like the the long diatribes that Michael Organ would go on, you know, which were boring and which were like a lot and i was really i don't know if i was waiting for the other shoes to fall like what this man is evil i get it manipulating people that is evil i i, I understand that but i was also wondering like what when when something like like heavy was gonna happen mm -hmm. and eventually it, it does we get like I said, what I did it feel like a reveal to you guys? I was like, is this a reveal? Because I because I felt like they were trying. It was it was like they were kind of going for a reveal, but I was just like, you've convinced me this man is evil the whole time. So like, why would? Why do you do mean you when he goes to the abandoned uh, mental hospital and learns that Michael had been bragging about breaking into his house? Th that too, but like the so the reveal of like what happened with Brent, the you know. It feels like oh. they go through this whole story. Yes. Then they go through the, 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 uh, I mean, it seems like we go through the whole, like seeing Michael Oregon, seeing his interactions with David. Then we, we cut back to the Brent story mm. and I'm like, oh man, that's messed up. And then from that moment on, it's like, oh, Michael was actually telling me about himself. And they, they cut to all of the times that Michael was making up stuff. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no doy, as we used to say when I was in seventh grade. I think right. we can still say that. So this is this is Michael saying, well, a person, I didn't ever get his name, did this and this. And yes. David, I think you know who I'm talking about. I think it was from David's point of view that he, as the investigative journalist, well, who was that person and who was this other person and who, who mm -hmm. are you referring to? 
I don't know that the film expects it to be a revelation to us. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, normally we shouldn't be ahead of the filmmaker, right? But I think (laughs) in this case we are waiting for David's revelation that Michael's been telling him all along who he is Mm -hmm. and that David somehow wanted there to be more to the story. David goes to the family. Uh, David rings mm -hmm. his uh, Michael Organ's Mm. father, goes to the home of his other brother, is trying to find out the why and then to me ending up at the decommissioned mental hospital and speaking to Peter Van May Garden, who I absolutely adored, he's the one that tells the story, which is he's just an evil spirit. Like there's no explanation. Yeah. He sounds like he's like an energy vampire. You know what I'm saying? Like one of those people, right? One of those people that you get around them and it's just negativity. It's just, they, they pull you down. They completely bring you down. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't voluntarily be around this man. (laughs) You know, okay. I have to do this. And I'm sure we're all thinking it. This is reminding me of a 19th century play by Heinrich von Kleist called The Prince of Hamburg. I know you're all thinking it, but the yeah. central the central image of the Prince of Hamburg is that this guy is obsessed with his death and he walks by a grave and the grave is empty and he can't wrap his mind around what that could possibly portend. But of course, the portent is that we all die. And there's this feeling in the play of the tragedy of people not being able to see what's right in front of their faces. And we're left to sit in the discomfort of someone's blindness to what seems so obvious to us. And now I'm thinking, okay, if that is one of the things that's supposed to happen in this film, then I guess if I wanted to allow myself to be very generous about it, I could think, okay, well then who are the uh, Michael organs in my life who are telling me things Mm -hmm. that I am not able to see? That might be a more generous way of approaching what we've just been told. Uh, But I have to go all the way back to 19th century dramaturgy in order to do it. (laughs) Nice. However you get there. (laughs) I, I want to talk a little bit about the talking heads who Mm. are almost entirely ex-flatmates of his who seem to have been like they are almost at a loss to explain how and why they came under Michael Organ's spell for want of a better word even to their own detriment so uh, who were the standouts for you Mark? Okay you've touched on something that I had so many questions about the mm-hmm. first standout was the guy at the very beginning who had the puppy play mask in the background of his apartment and his bed was filled with Pokemon. And I thought, wow, what, why is, what is it about? What is that? And then the next guy, the, the roommate who had all of the um, elaborate porcelain busts sitting behind him. <laughs> and I was just thinking, what is it about um, the, particular type of gay man that this guy seems to constantly find to be his roommates i was so curious about them i was less curious about what they had to say and more about the clues we were getting about michael organ's um type of mark uh i i I, there were no answers provided there was no investigation of that question at all but i was really curious about it that's that's something i didn't even uh i didn't even like clock but yeah the the flat baits Honestly, Sarah, I I could not tell you which one was which. I could tell you that they all seem traumatized. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. 
deeply, deeply, deeply traumatized. traumatized. And and as somebody who has who has had like roommate, like nightmare roommates, roommates from hell, like. I don't think I I even experienced anything half as bad as these people did, but I don't know what they they really experienced. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, this is to me a fascinating thing that none of them could, re- apart from the woman that he struck and who mm-hmm. ran out of the house at three a.m. and had to save herself. None of them seem able to explain what he did, just what they were like. They yes. were afraid. They were obeying him. I mean, it's interesting because as we start the story and we don't really know where it's going and there's this, the, the, the tale of, of Michael Organ stealing the yacht, he says he to this day that he didn't. <laughs> and Jamie Lockett, the fixer, goes after him in the night, pulls up alongside him and puts him in what he calls zombie mode. And I wondered why we spent so much time on zombie mode. He says it's he's got the strongest hands in the world because he's been <laughs> making this <laughs> and that he grasped organ by the hair with this very strong hand and he pulled it so the skin of his face would pull up. But it also <laughs> pulled up on his brain. That's the brain that's inside the hard thing called the skull. Anyway. Mm-hmm. He says, Jamie Lockett, the fixer, says this puts people in zombie mode and then you're able to control them. And so later I thought, ah, was David drawing a bit of a poetic arrow to explain what organ does to people psychologically rather than physically? That he puts them in this sort of zombie mode. I mean, does he talk them to death? Well, I will say it's not hard for me to imagine being numbed by this man's endless stream of language. And I I actually have had experiences with people, not to this degree, thankfully, but yes, certainly with people who try to control you by never shutting up. And if you (laughs) lived with that, I can absolutely see how you might wake up two years later and not really quite know what happened, but remember how it made you feel. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, I also, I also think that his weapon, weaponizing like the judicial system against people was very icky. We see him do it to David with the signs, the Bash, Bashford and Associates signs, and we, 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 we hear that that was one of the things he used against Brent. That, um, mm. you know, you know really tormented Brent. So it's like the way that he would, the way that he knows enough and, and we didn't talk about this, but he faked being a lawyer, but the way that he knows just enough about the law in order to terrorize people is quite scary. That, that is quite scary because regular people like us, like you and me, like we're not really litigious if it's not warranted. Most people actually, you know, try and go several steps beyond before actually becoming litigious yes but it felt like michael organ would wield lawsuits um uh he had orders of protections i think he was he was taken out um against david stuff like that um accusing brent of stealing from him a crime that he committed like like he was so uber litigious that people were just so scared they didn't want to go up against them because and you've got to think about this. Those. You've got to think about this down in the Antipodes. We're not. We don't go around suing people that much. 
You right. Know? So mm. it's even more stark. Certainly the story of the signs is interesting after David Farrier has written about this clamping, perfectly legal clamping, it ends up in Parliament and they they make a law because of Michael Organ. Michael Organ's annoyed with David Farrier. Bashford Antiques closes down. The broken signs are put beside the rubbish and David picks them up as a souvenir. And then Michael Organ sues him for stealing, stealing the the signs, uh, which he has now stolen from David's house. Yeah. So it's the elaborateness of that is quite amazing. And then they go to court, fine. You think, well, all David has to say is they were by the rubbish. But Michael Organ wins and David's out $3,000. And he even says, well, you, you got me, like you ran rings around me. Seems so simple, but you imagine being enmeshed in that and how it would almost turn you mad. And we do see that with David. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This gets at something I found myself very curious about as I watched the film. Because as you both have indicated, the existence of this type of person is no great shock. Uh, but mm -hmm. how do we continue to have systems that allow someone like this to succeed? How is it possible mm. that the legal system allowed him to do this? Can we explore that? And what is it in the people who are controlled by him that allows them to be affected by this man in this way? How, what kind of power is he able to get over them? And I guess... That was, again, I, I know that I am doing the cardinal sin of writing the film I wish I had seen, but I wanted mm -hmm. so much to have some kind of thinking done about the, the the reasons that this person is allowed to exist. Because I guess I also feel like maybe I'm coming from a very subjective place, but the presence of sociopaths is, again, not news to me. So right. <laughs> I, I just wish that we could go a little further. I mean, I went to drama school, okay? Sociopathy is, <laughs> is buried in my DNA. So, but, you know, I, I was so curious about that one story that uh, one of the people told about the judge follows Michael Organ and makes sure he leaves the courtroom and then goes and tells the other people in court, run from this man. And I thought, right. what? how did Michael Organ become more powerful than the legal system? Tell me more. Anyway, that's just. Yes, it's I, a very I, I good agree question. with that. I, I would have loved for David to eventually get that one-on-one um, -on -one talk with Jillian, Jillian Bashford. I really would like to know more about her. That. Yes. She like their dynamic is giving off very like we've had so, we've had so many documentaries, especially crime documentaries about rich women being taken in by shysty men. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> that's a Netflix not, category, isn't it? It yeah. is a whole dateline. It's a dateline. Date well, she's 67 and he's 37. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the intriguing thing is when David asks them more than once 
to say what the nature of their relationship is. They, or rather Michael, chooses not to say. I thought I thought I misheard that. Michael Organ is 37 years old. Mm-hmm. I think that they were saying I think I think in that moment he was saying that David Ferrier is 37. That's what I thought. David is 37. I think they're both 37. Oh. Wow, he um, he looks he's like he's had a rough thirty-seven. Had a rough life, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe moisturizers uh, would be the next step. But yes. yes, I mean, to tell me to talk about Gillian Bashford a bit. I mean, there's an intriguing moment in the street where David looks her straight in the eye and says, "Are you okay?" And mm. she says, "Ah, yes, yes." Can I say that probably that moment? Um, I, if we're, I'm thinking about the same one that you are, that was probably the most. Um, intrigued I was in the the show it was at the moment where it where it felt like David had just finally snapped he was just finally at his wits end and was like going at Michael like you're a liar everything you said is a liar and him and Michael are sitting there having a like blowout fight like in the middle of the street or whatever like that and you could tell that David is venting all of his frustrations. Michael is doing this Michael thing and volume them back. And then for David to be like, okay, but do you want to sit down and like have some coffee? And for Michael to be like, yes, let's do that. Like it, it was so weird. Like I loved, I did love the, it, what it felt like the catharsis of David finally being like, I have been putting up with your crap for so long so I can get this documentary footage so I could, you know, do more to, to, you know, put up about all this stuff about you. But now you've gotten on my nerves and I'm letting it all out. And for Michael Organ to, I thought this would chase him away because Michael clearly doesn't like being confronted and Michael coming back at David very hard, but still just that still wanting that camera time, still craving Mm -hmm. that spotlight, still wanting that platform because after they're done yelling at each other, they're like, well, but let, at least let's just like sit down for some coffee for for a second. (laughs) Yeah. And and he's like, yeah, sure. And I, I was like, is David playing Michael like a fiddle here? That that was that was the one time I was like, does David have the upper upper hand? Did David realize it's a, a way to keep Michael tar- talking and a way to keep him going is to kind of lobby all this stuff at him that he'll have to defend, type thing. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. Michael loves to defend himself. He does not like what he thinks are lies to stand. So if you want to keep him talking, you confront him with what he feels are lies in order for him to, to keep going. It was a very interesting confrontation. I think that was my, my favorite part of, of the movie. And I think it came like an hour in. Mm. I think that also underscores Sarah, the point that you made that at the end of the day, both of these men want to win Mm. and there is no winning. It's pyrrhic (laughs) victory. Everybody ends up just turned into ashes and they can't the fact that they're locked into this impulse to win at all costs really does come home Miss Mari in the scene that you just described absolutely mm-hmm. yeah this is where michael serves him or rather as they say trespasses him because he knocked yes. on jillian's door very he is weaponizing the legal system as you said mari and mm-hmm. after the the film was finished and they no longer were filming or had anything to do with each other i was reading that organ involved david ferrier in seven or eight 
court cases that were nothing to do with him. I'm not sure whether he was called as a witness. Mm. I couldn't get any details. But the reason I keep saying allegedly is I don't want a Michael Organ coming after me either. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what were his actual crimes as we see in the in the video in the in the documentary mark what this is what's so spongy what what did he what was his actual crimes well other than the yacht thing right which is stole absolutely he stole a yacht which by the way is that a yacht it looked like a pretty small yacht to me is, <laughs> is yacht a more flexible term in new zealand no yacht shaming mark no yacht shaming <laughs> oh right i mean i say this as someone who um owns zero boats so I was say, Where, where's your yacht <laughs> I'm like, y'all are getting all this worked up for that, uh, but I don't have a boat at all. So you're right. No yacht shaming. Please, can I be on another show where the three of us create a show called No Yacht Shaming and we talk about Yacht Rock all the time? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, whatever you say. Any chance. Sidebar. I'm ready. I've got my Michael McDonald greatest hits ready to play for you at any time. Uh, but yeah, Sarah, you're right about the sponginess of everything else where he found people's weaknesses and exploited them ruthlessly and drove mm. them to do things that made them later feel desperate or in the case of the one gentleman uh drove him to take his own life but allegedly alleged is yeah is 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 being a monstrous person a crime yeah, that's. A I really don't know. Yeah, that's a really good question, and that's one of the reasons I did like that the the documentary is. That's the question. He, other than the stealing of the yacht, which he says, had he represented himself, he would have gotten off. But he had a another lawyer who didn't manage to get him get him acquitted. Is anything that he does? I mean, we all watch it and think he's wrong. He's in the mm -hmm. wrong. It's a sin. He's evil. But none of it is legally wrong. When he was clamping people, that was completely legal. Yeah. He was asking them for money to be unclamped. We could say, all right, well, that's threatening behavior. It's not pleasant, but it's not illegal. Mm -hmm. They were they were parked illegally, not to victim shame, but, you know, they were mm -hmm. parked illegally. And it was going to cost them money. I mean, that's the first thing we see is a very dark video of, a woman trying to pay the money that he extorted from her, uh, uh, what I would call extorted from her moments before, <laughs> and him saying, oh, no, it's $760 now, which he later says were for two cars. It's so spongy until yeah. it goes to Parliament and then a, and a law a law has to be written <laughs> right. so that he can't do it anymore. I guess it is a crime to get a copy of someone's house key made. That's what I was just about to say. It, right? Yeah, that that is exactly what I was about to say. the The house key thing. Somebody gave whole, it to him, though, Mari. Somebody gave yeah, it to him. Somebody, these people who you don't want to mess with, gave him <laughs> uh, a key to David Ferrier's house. And I mean, just the eloquence with in which that threat was delivered was very interesting to me. Like. He's just like, I'm just letting you know, I have this key. I can do this. Da, 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 da. You know, it's shadowy people. I, you know, I'm letting you know. And David's like, well, why are you letting me know? He's like, because I'm letting you know. It's like, it's what? And then he hands David the key. And then David tries it on his house and it actually opens the house. 
which I probably think is the actual most terrifying part. Of yeah. It all. Yeah. So it, this man is just a terror. He is technically a terrorist that cannot be found by the law. Like he is terrorizing these people, but he's doing it in a legal way for m- most parts of it. It's so it's scary. It is a scary thought and it is a scary story, but I just don't know if it came across as well as it, it, should have i have to say the way that we're talking about it right now the way you mari just described that really Mm -hmm. dropped in for me oh yeah it's a horror Mm -hmm. movie where no one where the monster isn't breaking any laws but you are (laughs) actually being terrorized at all times okay now i'm uh uh-oh uh-oh sound the alarm i'm starting to develop a theory bing bong oh dear so one of the things that I think has made uh, TRUMP such a mm-hmm. constant fixation for folks is that we kind of can't believe that someone would behave this way. So we just keep pushing yeah. it because we keep assuming that somewhere in there is someone who will behave the way that the rest of us behave. It's like the horror of realizing that someone has decided to discard with all societal norms is yep. so great that we can't quite allow ourselves to believe that it's happening. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the bigger crime here. It's the psychological cultural crime of refusing to participate by the rules that we all live by to make life manageable. And maybe what David Ferrier is doing is he can't, he can't stop seeing how deep the well goes because he has some sort of inherent belief that everyone's well stops somewhere. And Mm. for years, he realized that he, for years and years and years, he sees that this well never goes, it never ends and he can't allow himself to accept that. So maybe the crime is the psychological destruction of our belief that there are systems in place to keep us all from turning back into animals or whatever oh there it is yes, there it is there it is <laughs> <laughs> i love something that. kept him going i mean on a practical level he has pitched the documentary to uh the just the distributors or the people with money or however he's done it i mean he produced this and directed it but there are other producers you can stop and give them their money back I mean, it's very expensive. It's not as, you know, it's not easy. It's whatever. But the fact is, you could stop. And it didn't stop until that moment of confrontation when Organ trespasses him for knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. They have a bit of a shout and then they sit down for coffee. It's such a a strange ending, but a correct ending. It's like the moment in Heat where they sit down in the diner. Yeah. And Mm. they are two sides of the same coin. Going back to what you were saying, Mark. Yeah, this is one of those experiences where talking about the thing makes me glad I watched the thing, even though I did not like the thing that much. So yes. I think I'm going to actually <laughs> up my rating a little bit because Ooh. not not everything could generate the the types of things that the types of discussions that we were just having, and I found them very very interesting. Mm, we enjoy well, company as well. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about anything you like, including yachts. <laughs> no, I can't yacht shame. I have to really do stuff. Yes. I have to sit quietly with that. <laughs> so uh, on that note, how many magnifying glasses out of five are you going to create, Mr. Organ? I would have started with two, but now I'm going to bump it to three. Hmm. A perfectly decent rating. Yeah. Mari, how about you? 
I am going to stay at my two um, because even though I think David Ferrier does a, a pretty good job of at least making something that is easy on the eyes, I guess, uh, to compliment him, it it's something that I couldn't, I would not watch again. Um, like I said, I... I had to keep rewinding it because I was like, am I missing something? And at the end, the, the, the payoff, there was no payoff for me at the end either. So um, I, I get it. It's subtle. You know, um, I don't always need splashy sensational murders or anything like that. I, I understand it. I think this did spark a lot of really good debate. But honestly, the property itself, mm. I would not write home about. And I don't mm-hmm. think, and I, I wouldn't tell any of my friends to watch it. Like, I watched this by myself. I didn't even wait for James to watch it because I was like, I, I don't think he's going to like this. You know what I'm saying? So th- I think that's mostly where my my rating comes from. I, I wouldn't recommend it. And again, it could just be because it's not my cup of tea. But also, I just don't think there was a, a firm enough perspective in it for me, personally. So. Mm. Sarah, how about you? I'm going to give it a three and a half. I really liked talking about it. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like I could could have given it a one or I could have given it a five. I wasn't yeah. sure. <laughs> and so I would, this is one I very much wanted to discuss. Peek behind the curtain. Mary didn't want to do this one. No, and I knew it. And I made her do it. <laughs> and the, and we don't we don't often overrule each other, but in fact, right. we barely we barely do. But I right. love tickled so much that I and I was intrigued by the trailer. Had I watched it first, I would not have insisted on you watching it, Murray, because I yeah. would I just knew that you wouldn't like it. I, but however, liked quite- it. Sometimes there's stuff that you suggest, and I'm like, meh, okay. And then it ends up being something I, I never thought that I would enjoy. You know what I'm saying? So yes, um, I, that's I, why we don't mind doing that. Like I, I don't know exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> and sometimes we both get fooled, and we both don't like something that we that's thought we trailer. would. Yeah, but I think I, I think I knew going in that 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 you wouldn't like it. And certainly, as I was watching it, you were on my mind. Uh, and then Mark. You do our tough ones. That's I'm sorry. That's where you. That's hey, where you that's fine. Now you yes. make them good. You make the discussions worth it. <laughs> yes, I would say if you said to me, "Would I recommend people listen watch this?" I'd recommend they listen to us. But would I recommend that they watch Mister Organ? I would say, in the words of the great Sarah D. Bunting, "Yes, but," mm. and I think it's I, I think it's good. I really liked watching it. I probably will watch it again. It is not for all tastes. So I think if you've listened to us for a while, you're familiar with with what lifts our skirts, you will know which side you're on or you might be Mark in the middle and you might watch it for yourself and let us know what you thought. Yeah. And now that you mentioned this, this could have probably been a better podcast. I mm. think this probably could have been a better podcast, like a, like a a scammer slash con artist style, you know, eight episode. What is he up to? Type of podcast, other than a documentary. Yes, and leave him out of it until the reveal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. But if you're a documentary filmmaker, everything's a documentary. Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perhaps listening to it would have drawn well, I, in more. Yeah, I think stories where it's more cerebral like this, I I would probably want to intake it as a podcast more than anything because I mean there was no visuals that really needed to be seen except for like from him putting the key in the door but I mean you could do that you could do that with audio just the sound of the click would be quite Mm -hmm. horrifying (laughs) it's Michael Organ come to get you (laughs) I know oh yes Mark what do you have to recommend to our listeners what have you been reading watching or listening to that you've enjoyed recently now, I'm going to recommend a book that I recently read, uh, but that came out in 2017. So it's possible that many of you have already read it. That book is called The Man from the Train by Bill James and Rachel McCarthy James. Is this a book that either one of you know? No. I love the title, mm-hmm. though. I love trains. Okay. It is a wonderful, <laughs> very disturbing book about the solving of a serial killer mystery from the early 20th century in the United States. And basically, it's about a man, a serial killer, who got on the train and went all over the American West and was killing people all over the place. But he was doing it in an era before the culture even could conceive of serial killers and before Mm -hmm. law enforcement agencies were talking to each other. So it actually took all of this research later, knowing how we what we know now to even see the pattern and uh, they figure out who did it. And it's so well written and so good. Fascinating. Oh, so we're we're guaranteed oh. a good payoff there. Oh, that sounds yeah. that sounds great. It, it's a I should go to my local library. Local side recommendation: libraries use them. Yes, and, uh, see if they have that. The Man from the Train by Bill James and Rachel McCarthy James. Very very good. Oh, I might really have to check that out. I love stuff like that. And Murray, do you have a recommendation for our listeners today? Uh, yes, a very fun and exciting recommendation. Love is Blind is back on Netflix. <laughs> you need messy relationship drama. Do that. That is fun. It is horrendous. It is a train wreck <laughs> to watch, but it is so messy. And there's a little bit of love in there. Um, so, and then shout out, of course, to um, our the sister podcast on the Rob Has a Podcast Network, the Love is Blind podcast hosted by Jason Reed and Mary uh, Krakowski this this season and they're doing a great job over there um but it I love messy drama tv so this that this is that's what I was watching after I watched Mr. Organ I was like okay this is done let me Palette get cleanser. back to my yes. yes let me get back to my love is blind yes so yes. yes and of course Jason and Mary at previous guests and future guests on crime mm-hmm. scene I've just started reading Stephen King's latest, uh, it's a crime thriller, it's not a horror, although it has horror elements. It's called Holly. Mm, Yes, Mark, did you say? No, I'm just saying, "Hmm, sounds good. Hmm. So I'm about halfway through, so I can't fully recommend it, but I can say so far, so good. And I would like to vigorously recommend Last Stop Larimer on Netflix it's set in the Australian outback in the town of Larimer, population 11, until it's population 10. So oh. who murdered Paddy or was he even murdered? 
It's curious. It's intensely engaging. If you're an American, you may need subtitles. We don't sub shame here. It won't be dubbed, but it will be subbed. Very a particular Australian accent and idiom that you may find enjoyable. But it's what I like about it. It's that oh jolly wacky outback Australian uh, hi yeah blokes and Sheilas, and then it mm-hmm. becomes very intensely, deeply sad and twisted and 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 awful and you're just sorry for everybody so hmm. last wow. up larimer on netflix okay at crime scene we're eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes you can follow crime scene on twitter at crime scene rhap that's s-e-e-n or email us at crime scene rhap at gmail.com we're on TikTok at crime.scene and on all other socials at Crime Scene Podcast. And please remember to subscribe to our feed by going to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. It makes a huge difference. Huge. Mm-hmm. Mark Blankenship, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? Well, I have, since we last spoke, launched a project I'm very excited about. I am now the bureau chief of the Food Section Nashville. And the Food Section is a James Beard award-winning food magazine that covers food and culture in the American South. And as the bureau chief of the Nashville edition, I will be telling stories about Nashville culture through the lens of its food. I just recently published a story about a group of people called the Honey Collective, who are banding together to make sure that there is pure local honey available to people in the city and their methods are very interesting to me uh next week there's going to be a story about the first ever uh uh indian american ice cream shop in nashville meaning you can get true indian ice cream and i didn't even know what indian ice cream was and now i know uh it's been a real delight so you can find it at thefoodsection.com and right there on the homepage, you'll see the link for the nashville edition and i hope that you will join me no matter where you live Whoa. Awesome. I'm hungry. Mari, how about you? Where can the people find you? (laughs) Well, of course, every week, me and Matt Scott bring you the highlights of the week over on uh, the Wrestling Wrap Up. We have been having some amazing guests. We just um, finished our coverage on the Elimination Chamber a premium live event so you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed in order to subscribe to all of our feeds and you can catch us on youtube as well wrestling wrap up on youtube um but we are we, we are having a blast on the road to wrestlemania and we are literally on the road to wrestlemania because we will be there this year and so you got to make sure that you subscribe to us because we're bringing we're bringing so much fun so many guests so many new things um, because of how big this is. So make sure you're following us. And then over on the recap kickback, me and Chappelle are getting very close to finishing up our uh, top five February edition. We have been reviewing and ranking the top five like black movies. We started with black biopics. We, we had black dramas, black comedies. And last week we dropped the top five black romances. Hmm. So that was really fun. Uh, we talked about romance movies, very toxic relationships in a lot of those. And we will be wrapping it up uh, discussing uh, black sitcoms. 
So we are having so much fun over on the Recap Kickback. So make sure you go subscribe by going to recapkickback.com. Me and Chappelle are um, just having a ball. Join the kickback. Uh, get your get your uh, voice voice input because we we're not coming up with the top five. You are the audience. We every mm. week we submit a survey. We have the audience fill out their top five, and then we reveal it and discuss it. It's been very fun. So uh, definitely check that out. And my favorite thing is when when Mari is outraged at the audience. Yes, got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it it truly is an audience uh, ranking because Mari's not pleased sometimes. Exactly. What about you, Sarah? Uh, you can follow me if you'd like to do that on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. Over on Silent Podcasts, I'm covering Australian Survivor Titans versus Rebels. And the recap of the wild fourth week is up. And my guest is winner of Survivor 44 spoiler, Jam Jam. We had a fantastic chat. He was in Puerto Rico and I was here in sunny Sydney sweating under the summer sun. And starting in the first week of March, Annabelle Fiddler and I, your Aussie queens, will be getting you ready for season two of Alone Australia by recapping the first season and breaking down the cast. So join us there. Mari, what are we watching next week? Next time on Crime Scene, we're covering As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial with Chappelle. You can watch it on Paramount Plus and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Mark Blankenship for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RHAP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case Case closed. closed.